Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected, where we gather to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. I hope you hear something in this next hour that opens you to the infinite field of possibility. So imagine this. Do you long for more peace, more joy, and less fear in your life? How would you feel if I suggested achieving more peace and joy was simple? You merely turn your attention to your heart. Connect with your heart. Yes. Are you willing to explore and experience the inner knowing and recognition of truth that resides within heart consciousness? Our guest today invites us to awaken to the love that we are, the love that we are, and navigate life with an open heart. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, Open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. Dr. Mitch Tischler has presented Seeing with Heart, a paradigm-shifting program for cultivating inner peace to individuals and groups internationally since the year 2000. An avid sailor, photographer, musician, and cyclist, you'll find Mitch embracing life along the shores of Cape Cod or at times following his deepest passion, touching people's lives while traveling the world. He's a chiropractor in practice, his wellness center in Massachusetts, but his most recent activity is releasing this beautiful book I'm holding in my hands, Me Finally. Welcome, Mitch. Thank you, Julie. It's such an honor to be with you today and to be with each of you uh, that feel drawn to join us in this conversation, this conversation about, about heart resonance and about the possibility to navigate life with an open heart. Mm. Well, we, I'm really thrilled to have you here, Mitch, because not only are you going to inspire with your words and, and the essence of you, others to open their heart and to listen with their heart and to see with their heart, but I know that just by doing this show, I've already, just preparing for this, I've already deepened into some really significant shifts, and and I know we'll have an opportunity to talk about that, so I want to do that. But first, on our show, you may know I have a traditional first question that I love to ask our guests, so I'm going to start with that. Dr. Mitch Tischler, what does all things connected mean to you? So... Science establishes that 80% of the information we receive comes in through our eyes. And when we compare what the naked eye sees to the notes on a piano, it's as if the eye sees only the eight notes right in the middle of all of the notes on the piano, all of the 88 notes. And since 80% of our information is received through that lens, through the eight notes, the invitation is for us to consider that that which we consider reality 
is really only based on a very narrow bandwidth, and there's ever so much more occurring. And really what I hear as I listen closely is that all things are connected, that there's only the illusion of separation, and yet really we are this unified resonant field of love flowing. And so that's the invitation to see with other than our ordinary eyes, the invitation to seeing with heart. Mm. Beautiful. Well, seeing with heart is where a significant part of your journey began. And I think it, it would be important for us to bring our listeners back to that day in 1998 and early 1999 with how seeing with heart first came to be. Do you want to tell us that story? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so something that I hear as I listen closely, as I listen closely to that voice that I hear from within is there are no accidents, yet there are occurrences that we, we would label as such. We use that word quite frequently throughout our days. So I, I was involved in a situation that would have been labeled as an accident. It involved a couple of vehicles, and I happened to be in one of them. And so, interestingly, by the time my vehicle came to a stop, it was really clear to me that that which would really be considered a quote-unquote awful experience was that there was some blessing. There was something about this occurrence that was that was a gift. And so there were some injuries. It required a couple of surgeries to my leg um, to kind of, you know, get that back to its regular functioning. And I choose to be present with my life. So after some conversation with the surgical team, they agreed that as I had requested to permit me to be awake without sedation. Of course, we did use regional anesthesia. And so the first procedure was two hours and the second procedure was four hours. And those experiences were remarkable, the conversations that ensued with the surgical team. And Subsequently, I chose not to medicate and to be present with the experience. And a few days after the second surgery, I had this compelling feeling. It was an urgent feeling, not an anxious feeling, to pick a pen up in my left hand, which is my non-dominant hand, And interestingly, my dominant handwriting is essentially illegible. And the words that emerged through my other hand 
were completely legible, and they were poetic writings, very succinct writings, and each contained very potent message, and at times messages. And the interesting thing is, a few days into this experience, I heard the name of the collection, Seeing with Heart, and I kind of chuckled because there wasn't a collection, there were only a few writings. And then, a number of months later, there were quite a number of writings. And it's those writings that actually became the Seeing with Heart journey, the Seeing with Heart program, which I can elaborate on, but for right now, that's, you know, that, that's, um, that's kind of an overview of, of, um, of how this initially emerged. Well, before we move into the program, because I think that's another important piece for us to move into this current book that you just released, but I, I love, I just want to pause at your words of, I choose to be present with my life. I think there's so much potency in those words, and I'm wondering if you could expand on what does that really mean to choose to be present with your life? It's an invitation that we each have. It's a possibility. It's a potent possibility. And it's not our common way that we move. And so I find joy in that possibility. It's, it's not a choice that everyone feels to make. And I find that as I do, there's so much texture. The possibility to be present and be witness to all the flavors that's the possibility to expand the bandwidth and see with other than our ordinary eyes, other than the eight notes and experience the full symphony of, of all the 88 notes and, and interesting, um, an interesting note, the first words that emerged from seeing with heart, March 4th, 2000, simply be present in the infinite moment, seeing with heart, not listening with head. Listening with head will herald the fear, while seeing with heart embraces the truth. And it goes on. And something interesting for me that I noticed in those words, simply be present in the infinite moment. That's a fascinating awareness for me because a moment I generally uh, would identify with something that's of a very short duration. And here we are speaking of an infinite moment. Mm, I love that. I love the phrase to be present in an infinite moment in this infinite moment of now 
sometimes I call it the holy moment of now as well and that infinite moment. So what a beautiful explanation of that. Thank you for that. Because I think that is really um, the essence of your work and what we're going to talk about. And I, I would love to talk about some of the the different themes and patterns that, that have emerged in your journey. But I just want to say, so here I have this beautiful book in front of me, Me Finally, Navigating Life with an Open Heart. And it's, it's a beautiful reflection on one of your client's journey. And you took them through the Seeing with Heart journey, and it's this really a beautiful a beautiful opportunity for us to really not only just move into the seeing with heart journey and, and witness that to, but just experience it like to really be in it through your writing at first. And I'll be honest with you at first. I'm like, okay, this is going to be someone else's journey. So, you know, I had this preconceived notion that it's, it's going to be, more like reading a case study or something like that. And I moved into it and it was not only poetic, like the original Seeing with Heart manuscript, which you know I love, but the, the journey that goes through it is, is really quite exquisite quite exquisite so why don't you first let's introduce this by telling the listeners so how did you take this channeled poetry that came through while you're rehabbing this very serious medical injury that that you were at bringing your non-dominant hand all of this beautiful poetic and yet deeply profound words are moving through you and then how did you get from that experience to leading individuals and groups through this journey? Okay, so um, I'm hearing two answers. The mechanical, organic answer. So when I returned to practice, returned to seeing patients again after my leg had uh, strengthened, our office is, is a very warm Place. In fact, it's something akin to a, an oasis in the community, a sanctuary. And so oftentimes people show up without even appointments and they just sit and have a quiet moment, a pause in their day, and, and then go on with their day. So that said, when I do have an appointment with a patient, oftentimes there's an opportunity for more sharing. So they may come in with a physical um, condition, a set of symptoms. And invariably, something emotive would come into the conversation. And this is the way it had always been in the office. So this isn't something that began occurring after this experience of these writings emerging. This is the way it's always been in our office for, at this point, almost 30 years now of seeing patients. Um, and the interesting thing is when a, a troubling concern was, was, was brought into the conversation during the appointment, some response would emerge from me and it would be soothing and it brings some insight. 
And then what happened was something really intriguing. I would go home at night and, and reflect on my day, and, and I would remember the, the two or three appointments where there was you know, something of, of that nature that, it, that occurred during the appointment. And, and I would remember that there was, a, there was actually a writing in the collection that would speak directly to that concern. And at this point, the writings were just sitting in a pile on my closet floor. I, I didn't really have any intent to create a program. And, and so they were just that. They were just sitting in a pile. And so I would shuffle through them and find that particular writing that would speak to that concern, photocopy it, and present it to the patient at the time of their next appointment. And little by little, what happened was individuals started to have small collections of these writings. And eventually, I was asked to simply sit down with some of those individuals and, you know, have a, have a, a deeper conversation, have a deeper exploration of, of what these writings were inviting us to consider. And so that's the kind of mechanical, organic um, emergence of, of what, it, what occurred. Um, if I might just continue for just a brief additional moment, um, the other side to this story is this, because what you had spoken to is that you even had an initial feeling that, you know, maybe this was going to be a little bit like reading, a, in a sense, like a, like a clinical review of a case study. Um, and, and what I'll say, because apparently that's not been the experience that you've had, and, and that's not the input that I'm getting from so many people now that are, that are reading this book. Um, and it, it has to do with a writing that I would like to read, with, read to you right now. And um, this is a writing that emerged about precisely six months after the writings began. And it was absolutely clear that this was page one. This was, the, this was to be page one of the, of the collection. After, I, after the words arrived on the page and I read them, because that's really what happened, is that I didn't really sit down with an intent to write on a particular subject. I just would watch these writings emerge. And so when this writing emerged and I read it, it was very clear to me that this was page one. And this speaks directly to why this wasn't a case study review that you were reading and that why this struck you so deeply and why it's striking so many in this way. And, it, and, the, and, and, and this is what, what Seeing with Heart invites us to consider. The following words, <clears throat> excuse me, the following words flow as feelings, not thoughts from the quiet place, the place where all is one. These words are not mine, yet they have the illusion of flowing through me. Instead, they are core truths that resonate from within each of us. If I felt they were mine, the possibility for receiving them would be not. To fully know these truths, we must step aside and authentically embrace the possibility of non-ownership. Only in this way are we open 
to all there is, which is only love. And only then will love flow over all in a way that one only dreams possible. Now is the time to embrace the possibility, the possibility of seeing with heart. Mm, Beautiful, Mitch. And with those words, there are so many core universal truths within this book and within the seeing heart, seeing with heart writings. And that's, that's really, I mean, it's a treasure really to open this up because the, the person who you're having this experience with in the book, it's written very uniquely, by the way. I love it. I'm just going to tell our listeners this again. It's just been released. It's called Me Finally, Navigating Life with an Open Heart by Dr. Mitch Tischler. And you write from three voices, maybe four, you'll have to correct me, but the three voices are the seeing with heart writings are in there and your Dr. Mitch conversational writing is in there of having um, this conversation with this client and then her writings are in there. And so it's, it's really beautiful. It's, it's kind of like reading um, conversations with God where part of it's bold, part of it's plain, part of it's italic. So it's this beautiful treasure. And the thing that I really appreciate Mitch and and we can go into some of those universal core pieces um, after our first break. But the thing that I treasure about this now is that any one of us can find ourselves in the client's shoes, in your shoes, in the seeing with heart words, but that, that your interaction with the client um, is not too specific that it, alienates us it's just totally just like you said it's it's written with love it wraps us in love and then all of a sudden we see ourselves on every page and um i really appreciate how you masterfully did that it's it's really quite exquisite so in we just have a few minutes before break here and um so kudos for the book here but the one piece that you just said in the explanation and when you were reading um, and talking about how this came about was something that I think that's really important. And we're not going to have the complete answer before break, but I'd love to hear you speak more on love is all there is. Mm. So one of the writings Tell me everything, uttered the small child. All right, there is only love. That is everything, whispered the breeze. Mm. Okay, I'm going to pause here because I know that we can really expand on this. And some of our listeners might be saying, Mm, yeah, right. There's a lot of things happening in our world right now. Um, I don't know how you could say that, or I don't get it, or I don't understand it. And I know you're going to have a beautiful response for that. So let's save that, and we'll start our next segment with that. And before we go to break, I want to make sure our listeners know how to find you, how to find the book, 
where they can take a course if they're interested in doing the journey with you. So can you give us your contact information, Mitch? Which websites do you recommend they go to? Okay, thanks. Thanks, Julie. We have mefinally.com, which will offer you an opportunity to explore the book. There's even uh, a begin reading excerpt that you can click on and, you know, kind of begin your experience in this journey. Um, so mefinally.com. And then there's seeingwithheart.com. And they both complement. And one kind of takes you to the other. And, and so it'll be an experience where you'll end up on both, I'm sure. So mefinally.com, seeingwithheart.com. On those websites, you can purchase signed copies of the book. You can also um, be directed out to Amazon where the book's available in print copy and in Kindle. And you can also order the book through you know, traditional ways from your independent you know, bookstore uh, and, and Barnes and & Noble and, and so on. All righty. Okay. We are talking with Mitch Tischler. We're talking about his brand new book, Me Finally. Again, you can find him at mefinally.com and seeingwithheart.com. After the break, we'll have much more in the answer to really how do we put that tenant love is all there is into life. We'll be right back. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you. The enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree. Yes. That one. The free-to-be-me you. (laughs) Ask your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Before there were computer games and HDTV, cram courses and teaching to the test, there was this thing called imagination. A tool so powerful, it could transport kids on the most amazing journeys of their lives. From outer space to center field at Yankee Stadium. It is for these journeys that Destination Imagination was created. An extraordinary after-school program in creativity and teamwork for every child. At Destination Imagination, teams are formed and challenges are met with a whole lot of imagination. And while we can't guarantee it'll get your kid into Harvard or onto American Idol... We're pretty sure that Destination Imagination will be the most important journey they make this year. Maybe any year. Parents, teachers, 
Start a destination imagination team by calling 888-321-1503 or visit destinationimagination.org. That's destinationimagination.org. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org. And after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the InstaDo. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side. And you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's this helmet thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back to the Dr. Julie Show. If you're moved by our conversation today, I want to share, or maybe you just want to share it with others. Maybe you want to listen to it again and again and again. Please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find the archives for this show as well as listing and upcoming guests of many, many more shows. So again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. We've been talking with Mitch Tischler and his new release on the book, Me, Finally, Navigating Life with an Open Heart. And Mitch, one of my favorite quotes or favorite little sayings that you have, in fact, I'm going to post it on social media, I love it so much, is choose love as the way to move always. Choose love as the way to move always. I love that. And we were talking about this concept of love is all there is and the book is really about helping us understand our unconditional self-love and we can dig into so many different topics around this love and what that really means but let's let's try to make sense of it for a listener who says love is all there is and look what's going on in our world right now how can we give our listeners some sense of peace or hope that we really you know we really can make some radical shifts in our perception and our awareness when we really like deepen into what you're talking about here. So help us out. Okay. Uh, thank you, Julie. One thing I'd like to begin with, um, seeing with heart doesn't tell you what to do. Me finally doesn't tell you what to do. I certainly wouldn't tell you what to do. I really can't teach anybody anything because that's not really sustainable. And so what does happen is as each one of us makes this journey, which is really a reflection of our individual and collective lives, that's how come as you experience this book, and yet it really wasn't like, you know, reading a how-to manual. It, it really felt resonant. 
because what seeing with heart does and what the me finally experience does, this conversation that you spoke about, is it supports you to make your own way. It supports you to follow your own heart. And I imagine that we would all concur that although we see some very unsettled experiences occurring, that somewhere in each person's heart, or let's just say in each infant's heart, as each one of us emerged into this place of being from spirit and soul into this human experience that we're having, that there is love in our hearts. In fact, something that I hear as I've experienced this journey with so many is that there's essentially an, an infinite number of flavors of love. There is an infinity of flavors. There's an infinity of love. And it may look different. It may be wrapped in different packages, if you will. And yet at the core, and it's interesting when we look at the word core, C-O-R-E, C-O-R, in Latin, is heart. And seeing with heart spoke to that these are core truths that resonate from within each of us. That resonate from within each of us, not into each of us, from within each of us. Isn't that an interesting choice of words? That something about ever so slightly behind our radiant, beautiful hearts, there's this infinity of love. And it depends what we do at that place of our being. And we all know so well that, you know, when we kick dirt, we make dust storms. We just do. And whether we do that ourselves, and I'm sure that we would each raise our hands and acknowledge that that's occurred in our lives, or we're thinking about another that does that quite frequently, it's really obvious. It doesn't mean that the person doesn't love themselves. It's just that the way that they do the flavor of that love will actually manifest a specific predictable outcome. So that's a love that's burdened with expectation. That's a love of lack of accepting self. That's a love of, of loathing self. That's not a love of unconditional acceptance of self. So I'd like to share this writing and everything begins with loving the self, yet we're so terribly afraid of I love me. We listen instead to the voice that's so haunting, the one from so far away. Don't be so selfish, you must think of the others. And don't hug yourself or spend time with your soul. For remember, there's nothing to show from these pleasures, nothing productive, nothing to weigh. No, cries your spirit. This is not about selfish. It's about the importance of caring for self. 
and doing exactly what one needs in the moment by feeling with gut, the feeling of true. For being authentic with spirit and soul is the one single choice that will move us to whole. Only then can I love me and can I love you as they're actually but one and the same. Mm. Oh, we have to take so many pauses with the writing. It's just so beautiful and expansive and, and heart opening. It reminds me of your phrase in the book. And, you know, we're talking about love. We're talking about self-love. We're talking about unconditional love and all these different flavors of love. And one thing that you talk about is being love versus be love. Expand on that, would you? So, through the illusion of separation, which speaks to all things connected, we see the other, and then we dance. And that's the energy of being loving. So I'm being loving with you, and wow, you're not being loving with me, and I'm being loving with you, and you are being loving with me, and and then there's another possibility. I be love. Simply, I be love. It's not about the other. And seeing with heart invites us to consider these nine potent words. I be love. I be me. I be we. Now let's, for a moment, take a look at these words. I be love. So to the extent that I be love, to the extent that I flow, that fullness that we all have resonant within each of us, ever so slightly behind our radiant, beautiful hearts, it's there. I mean, like, if another pet is brought into the house, would you love it any less than the pets that you already have? If... If, if we have another child that comes into the family, if, you know, do we really ever actually run out of love? There's an infinity of love that's flowing out from our radiant, beautiful hearts. And it's what we do at that place where light becomes form, at the place where love becomes the illusion of the me as it flows out through that corridor, interesting word that Seeing with Heart invites us to look at, corridor, C-O-R, core, the heart door. As it flows out through the heart door, what are we doing with that? I be love, I be me, I be we. So to the extent that I be love, it's not about being loving, it's simply flow love, flow that unconditional love that each and every one of us has is to the extent that I be me. Because when I don't flow that fullness of love, that infinity of love that's there within me, then I'm judging myself, then I'm beating myself up, then I'm kicking dirt and making dust storms. And so to the extent that I open up to that possibility and flow that infinity of love and open the aperture, if you will, that we have, our heart door, our core door, 
I be me. And to the extent that I be me, to the extent that I flow that love, then I don't judge you. I don't say I'm right and you're wrong. And then I be we. Then we be with one another in that way of acceptance, of supporting one another to be our fullest expressions. And that's a place that we're moving to amidst the bitter screaming gale, amidst the excruciating occurrences. That's the place we're moving to. It's simply part of our awakening that's occurring right now. And at times it's so painful and it's for a reason. And we're awakening individually and collectively. We're awakening to that possibility of I be love. And then we each are able to awaken more fully to I be me. And that's something we can do. That's actually tangible. It's something palpable. It's something that we can carry with us because it can be really, really overwhelming what's occurring now, what we're seeing across the globe. It can be so overwhelming that we can feel paralyzed. And so instead, we can remind ourselves as we go about our days, as we have interactions with one another, we can invite ourselves to be that acceptance, to be that flavor of love, to be love. And as we do that, we each be me, finally. And from that, we, finally. Mitch, thank you for that. And it brings it, it brings it in. And I'm wondering if you could give us an example of what that might look like when we be me and we be we, coming from that we be love first. When we get to that place, what might that look like in a typical day of someone? Like you mentioned, you know, we've been living in this illusion. We're waking up. Sometimes it's really, really difficult and painful. If someone turns on the news, they see what's going on or there's, you know, there's chaos or trauma or things going on in their own home or their own community, irregardless of around the world. What might that look like to be love, be me? be we in a typical day? Again, the invitation is to be present, to simply be present in the infinite moment. And so to have the awareness in how we each move with ourselves and with the others And so to catch ourselves, and one of the things that occurs in the Seeing with Heart journey is that pictures are painted because pictures are are relatable. And so there's a picture that Seeing with Heart speaks to about blink. And when that actually becomes embodied, because it's a very, very simple picture that's painted, then what I hear others sharing with me is that they actually do that. They actually blink. They physically blink. And so we can actually blink 
when we begin to catch ourselves judging ourselves and when we're judging others, because that's what we can do. We can do that. We might not be able to do something across the ocean, and we can do something with self, and we begin to see the invisible threads connecting us all as one. We begin to see with other than the eight notes. We begin to see with the 88 notes. And so what happens is when we blow a dog whistle, we would say nothing happened, yet the dog startled. You know, when it's a full moon, the water comes farther up the shoreline, and yet there's really no machine out in the ocean pushing the water further up. There's definitely invisible threads connecting us all as one. And it becomes very empowering when we begin to see that there are these invisible threads so that we each have the capacity to flow out from within us these ripples and that they actually are medicine. And so the most potent place to be loved is with self because to the extent that we do that, then we flow a much fuller expression and the amplitude of the ripples is so much more potent. And so then our close interactions shift and also what appear to be unrelated places of connection begin to shift as well. And so that's something that we can do. We can actually mechanically blink when we catch ourselves, when we have the awareness when we are present with how we're moving, it's a simple invitation. It's not a complicated manual to follow. It's a simple invitation to have that awareness, to go through our days and, 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 and actually check in and, and see how often we're, we're judging ourselves and, and to blink and, and to open up the, the corridor, the heart door. Beautiful. You you talk about so many different things in the book that you give metaphors to help us understand. And so um, the blinking is also just one piece that you show this this beautiful artwork. And by the way, it's painted on a garage at my lake. I love that image and I love to walk by or boat by or jet ski by and stare at it and blink and watch because it's really powerful. So I'm going to encourage our listeners to go look at that book. And, but, but your use of metaphor makes it easy to swallow this medicine. Sometimes this medicine isn't always easy, but your metaphors really help break it down into bite-sized pieces that are assimilated. And so I thank you for that. There's a lot of use of metaphor in your book. One of the things that you talk about, and we're kind of, um, it's kind of the flip side of, of this conversation where we've landed right now, is that the opposite of this, the opposite of opening our heart, opening that aperture, that unconditional love is dis-ease, and also you use the phrase, think ourselves crazy. I love that because I've been doing that lately. I've been thinking myself crazy and I'm not usually one that does that. 
And yet I caught myself and then I read that in your book and I'm like, yeah, that's what I've been doing, thinking myself crazy. Let's talk about that just briefly. Um, what is thinking ourselves crazy and, and how does all this create dis-ease? So as part of this very light, accessible framework that we each assemble as we go along this journey, Three words, feeling, not thinking. And what Seeing with Heart invites us to do is actually physically put these little invitations in our heart pocket. Because when they're in our heart pocket, they're really accessible. They're really easy to take out. And it's just something, it's a little gentle reminder, a gentle invitation throughout our days to stay in the place of feeling our way rather than thinking our way. Because as we think our way, we invariably make mountains out of molehills and even more dangerous molehills out of mountains. And so then we create from this spirit dis-ease, we create emotional and physical dis-ease, which actually manifests emotional and physical disease. And so then we have you know insomnia and um, stomach ulcers and... And, and, you know, because we're, because we're thinking ourselves, thinking ourselves crazy. And so we're, we're, we're lying awake at night or we're, you know, we're kind of like eating, eating ourselves up. And so then, you know, literally the experience of eating ourselves up is, 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 is stomach ulcers. I love the, the phrase, think ourselves crazy instead of drive ourselves crazy, because it really helps us understand and really stop and take notice of what am I thinking in this minute. And then the way you use it on the book, I can stop in this moment and think about a decision, or I can feel about that decision. And in very concrete terms, we can take any decision like that and literally if we go into our head and think we have the pros the cons or the da, 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 da. but if we drop into our heart it's very very clear so thank you for that example because mm-hmm. you've made really um from a psychologist's point of view your book speaks so wisely you you could be a psychologist here and i know you're a very holistic physician and this is just your brilliance coming through that's really made simple for the listeners to learn how to drop into that heart space and be this new way of being, really integrating our experiences and coming from this place of emanating love, that love that's from within each of us. I love that. Another quote that, that I wrote down was, the infinite potential that resides within each of us is love. Mm. Yummy. Maybe I could share a meta- another metaphor. And I just Please. want to pause for a moment and check in and, and, and see yeah. you know, if we're Please okay. Please do. With- yeah, we okay. have about three minutes left for the show, and I, I would love it. Okay. So let's each for a moment consider the image of the Hoover Dam. It's an enormous wall. It's incredibly thick. And for all intents and purposes, behind the wall of the Hoover Dam is an infinity of fluid, an infinity of water. Just as behind our radiant, beautiful hearts, there's an infinity of love. 
So we have a device, a theoretical device that pierces a pinhole through the wall of the Hoover Dam. I imagine we can all visualize that what would emanate through that pinhole is but a trickle of the power that resides within that infinity of water behind the wall of the Hoover Dam. And so that device has this ability to increase its diameter. And so we do. We open the diameter of that pinhole, and the stream gets a little stronger, and we open it even a bit more, and it gets stronger. And I imagine we would all concur that there's a point, and it's not when we get to 80% of the surface area or 90% of the surface area of the wall. It really will happen at just a little bit more of an opening of the diameter, a little bit more of the fluctuating aperture opening, that all of a sudden the power that resides in that water has an ability to push through the wall so strongly that it just breaks the wall open and shards and there's nothing left of the wall. And that's the invitation for each and every one of us is to open up our fluctuating aperture, to have that picture that ever so slightly behind our radiant, beautiful hearts is an infinity of fluid, an infinity of water, an infinity of love. And so Mm. I be love. Mm. And to the extent that I be love, to the extent that I open that aperture, I be me. And to the extent that I be me, we will see on this beautiful planet Earth the most magnificent manifestation of I be we. Mm, let's breathe it in what a beautiful way to close this conversation and um, maybe just temporarily because it's an ongoing conversation that needs to be spoken but thank you so much Mitch for joining us here today and sharing me finally with our listeners thank you Julie and I'm so grateful for everyone that feels to join this conversation because it's it's the conversation that we so deeply need to have. It's a blessing mm-hmm. to be with each of you. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Don't hesitate to drop me an email. I look to respond and um, answer any questions that you may have about Beautiful. this. Thank you, Mitch. Again, that's Mitch Tischler with mefinally.com and seeingheart, seeingwithheart.com. Until next time, I'm wishing you conscious love and connection. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.